Hi, everybody. I'm Tom Feeney from the Deep Dive Podcast, where we look for buried treasures hidden within streaming media services like Netflix and Amazon Prime. This is a podcast where real medical professionals discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless you're pinhead and you need an emergency acupuncturist, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Charles Xavier's In Charge, my Scott Bayo X-Men crossover podcast. Too far. <laughs> uh, this is Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. Uh, you can find us online at Hi Everybody MD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at HiEverybodyMD.com. And if you want to call us, you can call us at 530-DOCTORB. That's 530-DOCTORB. The B stands for... Boat, as in not Penny's boat. Oh, yeah. Because if you get that reference, then you figured out that we're going to be talking about Lost today. And yeah. Specifically, we're going all the way back to season one when the mystery was still alive. Um, the episode called All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. In my notes, the episode was called All the Best Doctors Have Daddy Issues, mm-hmm. uh, which might also apply. Yeah. Uh, this episode was actually written by someone I admire quite a bit, uh, Javier Grigio Mar- Markswatch. Uh-huh. Uh, he is host of the Children's of Ten Do uh, podcast about screenwriting and has written a lot of really neat behind-the-scenes books on and short, uh, well, essays on what it's like to be a screenwriter. He actually writes a great story about what it's like to win an Emmy as a writer. And now we're going to butcher his writing. And uh, we're, we're, going, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to have some things to say about what happened in the episode. I think the thing he should have done is maybe get someone to double check his medical stuff. Because we'll break this down into two parts. So, mm-hmm. as every Lost episode, there's flashbacks and then um, scenes on the island. Mm-hmm. At least with the first few seasons, they're flashbacks. Right. Eventually, it becomes flash forwards and then flash, flash sideways, sideways, which confuses everyone. But for this one, we'll break it down into two distinct things the flashback and then the island yeah. scenes themselves. Which one do you want to do first? But, I mean,. Chronologically, chronologically, it makes flashback. sense to go to start with the flashback. Yeah. Uh, so, quick recap of the episode: What's happening in the flashback is uh, Jack's Jack's father is a surgeon mm-hmm. uh, and chief of surgery at Saint Sebastian Hospital, uh, and Jack steps in to take over a surgery that his father is performing because his father is drunk. Yeah. Uh, the patient dies. Uh, and the father, Jack's father, Christian Shepherd, asks him to sign a thing saying, hey, you know, she was hit by a car, these things happened. Yeah. Uh, he does so, and then when he finds out that she was pregnant, uh, changes his, uh, re- recants his st- his testimony, essentially, and says, no, what actually happened was my father's an asshole. Yeah, it's not just that, but he also did a lot of like bad things. So when they actually cut to the OR, you can see Jack working on a patient... And then they said that his, her blood pressure starts dropping, but they were able to control the artery that was nicked. The hepatic artery? Hepatic Hepat- artery. So that's related to your liver. Mm-hmm. Hepatic is liver. Oh. Um, and that artery is pretty deep. It's connected to your aorta, which is basically the main highway of your vessels, or the arteries. Mm-hmm. So to actually get there, you should go pretty deep to, to cut it. And usually if you're in a situation where you're dealing with a surgery, especially a traumatic surgery, and you're looking for a source of bleeding to stop it from bleeding, you're not going to go around prodding with a knife. You're going to blunt dissect. So that means 
if you're going to move intestines around or whatnot, you're more likely to use a finger to kind of... You would actually through. get your hands in there? Yeah. You'd actually get your hands in there and actually like maybe use your finger to break up the connective tissue um, that might be holding things together and try to break that free instead of using a knife and cutting all the way down. Because mm -hmm. pointing things cut stuff. Right. And the last thing you want to do is nick a big vessel like a hepatic artery, which is really deep down there. So then my biggest pet peeve is when someone in the hospital goes, their stats are low. Which I've never really used that term before. We usually refer. I use to, it in Dungeons and Dragons quite a bit. Which is fair because you're getting cursed, or you have something, or you got poisoned, or something like that. Which understandable. But when you say your stats are dropping, a lot of times people are referring to their saturations or mm -hmm. their sats are dropping. But whenever you're referring to stats, it's so vague. I don't know because what's that dropping. that could be your your pulse, could be your blood pressure, could or be your pulse, your your oxygen it could be your breathing so that's not a helpful thing so it's just a really random pet peeve and i'll get families that come in like oh their stats are dropping and they go i don't understand what you're saying oh you mean their sats mm -hmm. okay so then trying to like go through that part so then um they notice that her blood pressure is dropping so usually the first treatment is something to increase the blood pressure so right. epinephrine is okay but really you want to replace what's lost mm -hmm. and if you nicked an artery you're losing a lot of blood, so you should be replacing that blood. So epinephrine would, in this case, simply mean that she would bleed out faster. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. No, no. it would also be constricted? Yeah, it's constricting okay. your your peripheral vessels so that you can actually get blood to return back to the heart. But the goal of the epinephrine at that point, point in time would be the constriction and not increasing the heart rate. Correct. It's more like a band-aid. Mm -hmm. You need to replace the blood. But then she goes into cardiac arrest, so they give her epinephrine, which is going to hopefully restart the heart. And then uh, they shock her. They immediately shock her. Yeah, which is the biggest pet peeve of everybody who's a medical professional. And watches any TV ever. Correct. And they also place the pads backwards. It backwards is in up, down? or So normally it's supposed to be across like the, the heart, mm -hmm. but they, they have the placements differently. Okay. So it's actually in reverse of how okay. they place the pads on. So that's not going to do so well. Um, and then he called clear. He called clear. But someone's hands were still in the... They were still holding her legs. And someone was still inside with tools. Yeah. That's a bad... Case. That leads to flashing sideways. It'll lead to flashing sideways for sure, because that's how Desmond flashed sideways. Yeah. When they scanned his brain. But that's how you get shocked people. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you brought it up before. I think I brought it up before, but people don't like getting shocked. Mm -hmm. It'll kill you. Or at least it'll knock you, you off your feet. Yeah, it'll give you a big jolt enough that you're going to be a very angry person for mm -hmm. a while. And I, I don't know if you found this weird, but everyone just stood there and watched him. Yeah. See, that's not something I find weird because that's something that I see all the time. Even in Scrubs, which we talked about did everything right, JD walked away from his patient coding because someone else was doing something. Yeah. But all the nurses in there, or the ancillary staff, didn't even help run the code or mm -hmm. um, help keep this code going. They just watched him futilely push on this lady's chest horribly. Right. And didn't do anything. Bad, yeah, bad. Now, would CPR... Uh, which would have been... Obviously, she was flatlined, so she wouldn't get shocked. Correct. Uh, but if... And so if she was flat... I'm just thinking through this based on what I've learned from listening to you talk. Uh -huh. uh, so he wouldn't have done... He would have done CPR and not shocked her at all there's not a you should have shocked first and then and then cpr and then cpr first and then so, shocked it's so one or the other you break it down with the abcs right so airway she right. had a tube in her throat 
that's protected. But first time we've seen the tube right. Rightish. Rightish. Right enough, I should say. It wasn't secured really well, but that's another issue. Um, but the airway's in, so the, her airway's protected. Breathing was being controlled by the anesthesiologist, right? Mm-hmm. Usually at that point, you should be disconnecting them from the ventilator and at least trying to bag them appropriately to fit. And then C would be circulation, and the only way you're going to get circulation in this um, is by doing compression. It's CPR, and yeah. not not a zapper. Correct. Because yeah, the zap's not going to do anything. The heart's already not wanting to mm-hmm. move, so shocking it's not going to make it's, it. It's well. not a, an on-off switch. It's turning it off and on again. Mm-hmm. To try to get it running right. Yeah, the only time you do that is like an SVT, which we talked about for the mm-hmm. resident. Which this episode really did call back like bad, bad tropes from the resident. Oh. I was kind of thinking about it. Um, but yeah, you usually for those patients in a very fast heart rate, you give them some medicine to restart the heart, or you shock the heart and try mm-hmm. to restart it all over again. Which is super scary but super fun at the same time. Right, and not not for the patient but for the doctor, super fun. Um, what you think about the OR? Um, I thought that it was incredibly dark. If if you, um, I don't think dramatic shadows are appropriate for surgical situations. Yeah, it's it's weird that it's that dark because if you're the surgeon, you're gonna call for a tool, and if your scrub nurse can't figure out what tool you ask for, mm-hmm. it's usually frowned upon. Like that's how I've seen surgeons smack nurses and medical students because the wrong tool is there. Um, and looking at or watching this show and seeing personalities, I can see a lot of smacked nurses from <laughs> or Jack or Christian. Or smacked med students. Correct. Oh, God, yeah. There were no med students there, and those med students would have been beaten up so hard. Yeah. We don't know if St. Sebastian was a teaching hospital. No, but I would assume if it's like a place with a neurosurgeon and all that stuff, there's not that many neurosurgery residencies, so when there's people that can shadow and follow, they're probably going to be there. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were learners at that place. Um, so uh, it, eventually, Beth, the patient, dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christian Shepard, who is basically watching from the, from the dark, shadowy corner, mm-hmm. tells Jack to call it. Yeah. And then they argue over who's going to call the death. Yeah. You're, the person who did the surgery is the, the person who's supposed to call it. Okay. And actually write down um, cause of death. Okay. So you're if you're the one if you were the last physician to touch the patient, you're the one who has to sign the death certificate. Okay. Uh, so so it was kind of accurate for them to be unless no you're a tablet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was was that too quick? So it depends. You know, this is one of those cases where it's a blunt trauma, mm-hmm. and with blunt traumas. When someone arrests, the likeliness of you bringing them back to life is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Mainly because your organs, after being struck by a car or getting something or a concussive blast, you don't know where that bleeding is coming from. Right. It's just macerated mush tissue, right? Right. So that's not going to be as easy to stop as if you got shot with something and you can find a hole and stick your finger in and plug it up. That's the big difference in that stuff. So calling a code that early is not surprising. Okay. Um... There are cases where codes are run for a lot longer than they should be, mm-hmm. especially like in kids. You don't want to like give yeah. up right away and go like, oh, I, I worked on this kid for 15 minutes. That's enough. Um, a lot of the times I'll see those kids get their codes worked on for like an hour. Um, we had one case like that with a drowning patient who worked on that patient for 45 minutes, called the code. Then the kid gasped 
and then started breathing again. And then before you think, oh my God, this is a miracle, this kid defied the odds and came back to life, the kid's brain was not good. Yeah. And this is like a, a common trend is you don't come back from CPR 100% right away. Sometimes you don't come back at 100%. Sometimes you don't even come back at 10%. Um, it all depends on how well you get the blood to the brain. And that's really what saves you or determines what kind of outcome you're going to have after your heart starts beating again. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you got to realize too is when they called the code and like called time of death or whatever, they pulled out all the tubes, um, all the lines, and then they left the tape on her eyes, right. which was kind of funny. Yes, we put tape on your eyes when you fall asleep or when you get anesthesia. No, every time you fall asleep. Every time you fall asleep. Every time you fall asleep, like eyes you know, float we'll into your Jackson's, you know, and, and there will be tape. There will be tape on your eyes. But the do you, you want to guess why we would put tape on your eyes? I um I I'm cheating because we discussed it while watching. But it's not to keep your eyes shut. It's to keep your eye keep crap from the surgery to keep you from touching their eyes. Keep keep. So it's not just from touching your eyes, but if you're the anesthesiologist or the and you're reaching over the the gown mm-hmm. or the sheet to look over, you sometimes have things dangling like your stethoscope mm-hmm. or your badge or a pen or whatever. And if you lean too close, you might accidentally get something in their eye. So that's really to protect That's a new that. problem. Yeah. But also the eyes will dry out too. Mm-hmm. So instead of like repeatedly going back with drops or whatever, just close the eyes. It'll keep the eyes from drying out too. So there's multiple reasons why you do that. But in this situation, her being dead... Not those concerns. Now, uh, this is a total tangent. Mm-hmm. Let's say I was going in for a planned surgery, which I have never done, mm-hmm. except maybe when I was five years old. I don't know how, how quickly we knew that I needed surgery for my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, would they remove my prosthetic eye? Or would they leave it in? Because why bother? I think they would probably just leave it in, if they're especially if they're just going to tape your mm-hmm. eye down. Now, if they're worried that it's going to contaminate the field, or if they're working, if they're working in that area... Face, then they would be more likely to take it out. Because if they're working in that, because that could surprise someone. Oh, that's supposed to be squishy. Yeah. On the other aspect, though, dentures get removed a lot of times. Um, Mainly because that can interfere with the airway, Uh because if they do a bad intubation or whatever, and it slips out or if it breaks, it can cause issues. It it, it breaks or even just, like, glue drips. Yeah. If I, I mean, of course, in emergencies, you just go for it. Yeah. But you got to be careful not to break the dentures. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but going back to my original point about the the, the eye tape and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So they pulled all the tubes. We never pull the tubes when we call a code. You leave everything as it is when you call time of death. So that when someone goes and checks your work, they don't more see than something. Yeah. yeah. So they don't see like, oh, you put the tube down the wrong path. Because, mm-hmm. you know, your throat has two ways. It can either go to your lungs or to your stomach, right? If you did an esophageal intubation, that's not going to help with yeah. the breathing and actually can increase the risk of death. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest because, because you've got a tube that's not your airway. But also you're increasing air into uh-huh. the stomach and your stomach has acid and a bunch of other stuff. Eventually that pressure can't take it anymore and it has to release. And the easiest way for to release is going straight up the mm-hmm. esophagus. Oh, wow. And then it could go down your airway and then cause like an aspiration pneumonia. Now... Um... We knew that, or we, we learn uh, towards the end of the episode, and this is what kind of makes Jack do his his heel turn, mm-hmm. uh, or I, what good. Is it, face turn? It might be a face turn. It's a face turn because he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Good um, recipes. Uh, we learned that Beth was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, 
given that they were operating. How did you not know that? Exactly. How did you not know that? That is a, the first thing you should be figuring out. Um, we don't even send people through the CT scanner unless we find out they're pregnant or not at times. Of course, in times of emergency, right? you got to do what you got to do. But you would think if they scanned her mm-hmm. and they found that she had bleeding inside of her intestines to do the surgery, they probably saw something in the uterus at that time. Mm-hmm. You should know that before you go into the OR. They wouldn't necessarily do the kind of blood work that you'd find out in that short period of time. Yeah, if it's that critical, I'm not going to wait for a urine pregnancy or a blood right. pregnancy test. But you'll do the. There's no way the surgeon would have brought her to the OR right away. Mm-hmm. Um, at least most surgeons, without a CT scan showing where the bleeding is, or a positive ultrasound, and that's the only time you probably wouldn't look down there but even then you probably would have looked at the uterus and saw like oh crap it's not the size that i'm used to seeing correct and there's something inside of it right so that makes it a little bit of too much of a suspension of belief Mm -hmm. to make them think oh that's why i should review all of that stuff instead of the dad digging deeper into the intestines with a freaking knife to find out the source of bleeding yeah um also, for a person who was in a car accident, she didn't have a lot of signs of trauma, at least in the face area. You would think, like, if you're in a bad enough car accident, there should be glass flying everywhere that her face should be yeah. completely torn up with shrapnel or cuts and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing. That It's that Hollywood actor face. Nothing, <laughs> nothing more than that. Except for tape eyes. Correct. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about their roles in the hospital. Yeah. So Christian Shepard was the chief of surgery. Yep. Um, uh, Jack Shepard is a spinal surgeon. Mm-hmm. Why would Jack Shepard be called in for this situation? Mm-hmm. Presuming this is a Los Angeles hospital that has more than two doctors. Also, why is he on trauma call? Um, most neurosurgeons are... Is uh, is a spinal surgeon also a neurosurgeon? Yeah. Okay. Um, so a spinal surgeon can, if you want me to dig deeper, it could be two paths. Use your fingers and not, not your scalpel. Gross. Um, but it's two paths. You're going to have to be orthopedics into mm-hmm. um, spinal surgery or neurosurgery into spinal surgery. So basically surgery. you can be bones or brains. Bones or brains. Um, but for him to be on trauma call is a little weird. Most orthopedic and neurosurgeons might do maybe a general year mm-hmm. um, but they don't have enough training to do like trauma surgery so like so he might have stepped in like got tagged in for the spiny bits Potentially. But, but not been the one doing most of the work in that situation Correct. yeah he would be working from the back not the front uh-huh so there's no it's unlikely that he would be doing that um his dad probably maybe is a trauma we, surgeon by trade we don't know yeah we just know that he is... He's a drunk by train. He is a drunk, a recovering alcoholic that is the chief of surgery. That's all we know. Um, we do know that Jack is a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. He, I think he says this before. But I don't know if he says it in this episode. No, but in a later episode, yeah. he does clarify that he is because he does Because that's how he meets his his wife, wife, is that he miracle brings her back in a miracle. Yep, which is super unethical to marry your patient. Or date your patient. It's only his patient once, though. You know, that's like the issue in Grey's Anatomy, too, where Alex, like, gets... Is Alex creepy? Alex Karev, I think. Okay. He's the one who, like, hooks up with one of his patients. Okay. And that was a no-no. Dr. Bashir does that, too. Multiple times. On Star Trek. Oh, okay. Oh, is that the android? No. Oh. 
that's that's the guy who's uh, genetically engineered on Deep Space Nine. We will definitely be talking about the medical ethics of Dr. Bashir at some point. I don't know enough about Star Trek. This is when I, the tables got switched <sighs> so hard. And I just let Johnny talk about Star Trek stuff, and I just go, yep, you're right. Nope, and, you're wrong. Hey, Courtney is our resident doctor and Star Trek expert. Yeah, so she can she can definitely contribute more to that than I ever could on those situations. Um, I think those are the biggest things. here. And then oh. they do get to like the part where um, they recap the case, mm-hmm. and it sounds like they were recapping it with, it sounds like higher-ups, but maybe lawyers there too, because the... The patients, what's the, that it's a morbidity and some mortality it's not quite an m&m so okay. m&m is usually uh, which is morbidity and mortality is usually done with a larger group of physicians and mm-hmm. kind of go through the case but it's not supposed to be like a judge trial it's not supposed to be like a trial it's a what have we learned what have we learned what we can do better mm-hmm. what can we fix systematically this almost sounds like a deposition mm-hmm. um or at least uh, an internal review with maybe risk management um and then other higher ups in the hospital maybe judgment. ted the lawyer ted the lawyer something Bob like Kelso. that too. yeah and that's where risk management would come in too um and risk management is basically the hospital's uh area where they try to rule out whether or not this is going to be a lawsuit or whatever mm-hmm. like that um whether we're going to pay somebody off before they sue us publicly correct and this is one of those situations where Christian, Jack's dad, starts recapping the case, and it's very cursory with how he explained it, mm-hmm. and how no one noted that the hepatic artery was nicked is a very surprising thing, because that's not an injury that you sustain from a car accident, and I think the patient's husband might have figured that out on autopsy, mm-hmm. that's something that gets revealed, because if you see a clean cut through an artery you're pretty suspicious someone cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if you were in a car accident, there's nothing sharp enough in your body to cut. And Livers aren't pointy. Livers are not pointy. They are squishy. Even if you drink for 50 years, your liver might be hard, but not sharp. So that's a big difference there. So they should have figured that out in autopsy that there was foul play mm-hmm. at that point. And it probably never would have even made it to this point. He would have called out, okay, one of you guys made a no-no and then they would have pointed the finger at someone correct the big waggy finger of you you messed up real bad um is there in in a real world situation Mm -hmm. uh would the jack's dad's his chief of surgery and jack is a surgeon Mm -hmm. be an issue it shouldn't be okay um we'll have cases where we have plastic surgeons that are brothers Mm -hmm. and they work in the same area um, and they come in on alternating days to like fix kids' faces. Okay, plastic so, surgery. So that kind of nepotism, like perceived nepotism, wouldn't be a a problem. It shouldn't be unless it's actually is a problem where so and so is getting promoted over other people because mm-hmm. that's the chief's kid. Yeah, I mean, you, there's nepotism in a lot of. There's everything. nepotism in every industry, and nepotism isn't always bad. No, but a lot of times it can be perceived bad, or is bad, like, yeah. you know, politics and stuff. Right. Which I won't dig deeper into that. Um, that's Those are kind of my thoughts on on the flashback. Yeah. I, I don't have much more than that. I yeah. think I'm trying to review through all my notes right now, and, I mean, we talked about most of it, and... Yeah, you shouldn't be drunk when you're operating. That's just yeah, I guess awful. we didn't we didn't cover that. Uh, not medical advice, but uh, hey, hey guys, don't perform surgeries drunk. I mean, it's it's that's what podcasts are for. 
And no, we we're not drunk. We're just motivated by podcast juice. We're lubricated. Mm, I don't like that term. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to use that term. But I would say well motivated, inspired by yeah. podcast juices. The creative juices way. are flowing. Correct. Uh, would so I do kind of have an explanation for the why Jack is there, mm-hmm. and it's the nurse brought him in not to fix it, but to help cover it up. To salvage the situation without it going farther. It already went too far. Okay. So basically... If they were doing that, it would have been long before the cut happened. Also by that... Yeah. The cut sounds like it already happened. So by the time Jack scrubs in, Mm -hmm. gowns up, puts on the gloves, gets into the area, that's already a few minutes. Yeah. Because scrubbing... Getting yourself prepped for surgery is not a... I'm putting on a jacket. No. You're scrubbing for at least two minutes. Then you got to dry off your hands. They have to pull a gown or at least have an extra set of gown ready for you to put on. Because they don't have visitor gowns for the operating room. Correct. I mean, actually they do. Um, those are called bunny suits. And it's basically with foot with footies and everything. And you actually wear it all the way up. So if you don't have sterile scrubs, mm-hmm. or at least scrubs that are okay for the OR, you have to wear the full bunny suit. Okay. I hated wearing the bunny suit. Uh, we had to do that anytime we went into the OR for like C-sections and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I had to wear a bunny suit to go in and did not like it one bit. So I think by that point, it would, it would have been minutes have elapsed. And if you nick the hepatic artery, you don't have minutes. You have mm-hmm. maybe minute to fix everything. So yeah, that's a lot of blood going on. And surprisingly low amount of blood in the abdominal cavity if you nick such a big artery. Well, you know, that's, that's because most of it was was on the street. Fair, but it could that's also... That's a lie. I, but, but also, if you nicked it, it, there should... And how clean was Christian Shepherd? If he was the one who nicked it, I'd expect... It'd be a pulsating. Mm-hmm. There should be some sprays on him, and he did not have much of a spray. So what I'm hearing is there should have been more blood. I know. It's... It's the complaint that never ends yeah. in, uh, in this podcast is, why is there not enough blood? I, I'm not a gory person. I just want more blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's go back let, to the let's island. Let's flash forward to the island. Yeah, let's go back to the island. Uh, and the main plot on the island is um, Charlie and... This is early on, before we know there's others on the island, except for Ethan, the passenger, wasn't on the manifest. Correct. Uh, and Ethan kidnaps uh, Charlie the Hobbit and pregnant Claire. Mm-hmm. And so Locke and Jack and Kate and Boone, who I forgot existed. Boone's the one who was banging his stepsister. Gross. Uh, is uh, they're on a, a search party to find uh, to find find the three of them, and eventually they split up. It's just Jack and Kate. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't find Claire, but they find Charlie hanging from a tree. Yeah. Uh, like hanging from a tree in a noose. Yeah, and we don't know how long he's been hanging for. Right, but he's not conscious. No. Before that, Jack got knocked unconscious. And we're not even sure how he, how long he was knocked out for. Yep. And I think Greg has talked about this before. Your day does not get better. You don't recover well. You are in a fog for mm-hmm. quite a while. Which Charlie was. Yes. But also Jack should have been. Jack too. was not. He got kicked in the face and stepped on. And also, where did all the rainwater go? Uh, down down the hatch. Because Desmond was swimming. Because that place was pretty dry, considering it was a torrential downpour and monsoon. Yeah. 
So I don't. I know we're not a weather podcast. Yeah, not a meteorology or an podcast or an island drainage. Not a smoke monster podcast. But yet. I don't know where the water went. Uh, so Charlie was found hanging for a period a period of time, and usually if you're hanging like that, also how did he get up that high? That's mm-hmm. magic, magic. island magic. But if you are hung that high for that long, you should start having petechiae, which are like little red dark spots, like little tiny bruises on your face. We saw those. Barely. It was just around his eyeballs. Uh-huh. Like, if you look, it's just around his eyes, and that's it. Okay. But it should usually be, like, on your cheeks, because you have a lot of blood vessels on your cheeks and stuff. Mm-hmm. This was just, like, goggles on his eyes. But also, your blood vessels in your eyes can burst, too. Okay. Be- Let's talk really quick about... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'll... I want to talk really quick about how you die when you're hung. So there's... Or hanged. 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 When you're hanged. Yeah. Multiple ways. How you die when you're hung is, you know, so uh, the... heart attack in bed. Um, but it depends on the mechanism of hanging. So were you slow hanged Mm -hmm. or were you quick drop hanged? So if you're slow hanged, then it's a fix asphyxiation. Right. So you're slowly cutting off the blood supply, a to breathing or sorry, you're cutting off your airway, but also you're cutting off your blood supply. By cutting off the blood supply to the brain, Uh uh, which causes you to die that way, or you just can't breathe anymore. Right. So it's a double kind of thing. Or if it's from a drop, then it's through quick severing of the spinal cord. Yeah, it's breaking your neck. Correct. So, and this was a slow hang. So this was a slow hang. And even with the slow hang, you'd expect like his blood vessels in mm-hmm. his eyes because he probably was struggling and whatnot, right? right? Uh, the other thing is, let's say you, you're you cut down before you lose consciousness. Mm-hmm. There's concern for your airway to swell. Okay. And that is a later finding. So you have a very hoarse voice. And you can potentially have a closed airway and you can die that way. Mm-hmm. The other way you can also die is you have your carotids right there and you can have dissection of your carotids. And that causes you to potentially have a stroke. Because if you have a dissection, mm-hmm. you can form blood clots. And eventually, if you think about um, think about like a little river with ice cubes in it, mm-hmm. eventually those ice cubes break off and then flow down the path. If it flows down the path, it might flow to a smaller part of that creek, and that small creek, that ice cube might get stuck, and then no more water flows past that part. And then your brain goes bad. Yeah, so that's essentially how you stroke. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could also happen, too. But Charlie looks no worse for the wear after he's brought back to Right, he looked just like the heroin addict we've come to love. Correct. Uh, Despite the fact that he was revived, not through CPR... But through the Flatlander school or flat uh, Flatliner school of punches to the chest. It's not just the Flatliner school; it's also the Abyss school too. When mm-hmm. he punches her in the chest and calls her a bitch, and that's when she came back to life. Yeah, um, that is a horrible. So first he does CPR. He right. tries to do CPR. It does absolutely nothing because he did really crappy CPR. And then he started banging on the chest repeatedly, trying to bring him back to life, which never works unless he was in a weird cardiac rhythm and you can do something called a cardiac thump. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've heard of it done. I've never done it before. It, it's that, that's the Fonty method of yeah. smack it and yell A. A. And then all of a sudden you're back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to see someone just do that one day. Like If they bring someone back to life with a cardiac thump, the next thing they should say is A. And then just walk out, find a leather jacket, put it on, just stroll out. Do you keep a leather jacket on hand just in case? I don't even own a leather jacket. I probably would put on my white coat, which is in the my 
backpack really, really deep that I never wear and just put that on. We also saw Jack wearing his white coat probably so that we knew it was a flashback. I mean, you have to let people know you're a doctor on TV and you don't know if you're a doctor if you don't wear a white coat or constantly wear scrubs. Or a stethoscope. Jack never wore a stethoscope. He doesn't? I don't remember him wearing a stethoscope. I think you, you might be right. Um, Surgeons don't wear stethoscopes. They don't? Rarely. I guess, I guess that by the time they're in the room, you probably have a good idea on whether or not the patient's heart is beating. Correct. Either because you can hear the beeps or you can see the yeah. heart. Most of... Like, most of the surgeons I've worked with, there's one stethoscope in the trauma room, and they'll use that one stethoscope. <laughs> they, they, they've got the communal stethoscope? Correct. They'll wipe it down afterward, but there's one communal stethoscope. So I don't know why that weirds me out, but it does. <laughs> it should weird It should weird you out, honestly. Um, people just... They just don't wear stethoscopes because you don't... They don't yeah, because... Why? why? Yeah. Why use it? Like, other people are going to do that part of the exam for you, mm-hmm. so let them do that. Um, you can't cut with a stethoscope. Yeah, but, <laughs> like I think this might be the worst punch back to life we've we've covered so far. Yeah. Also, Charlie's not going to be breathing well after that. He was like, but it was like full on, like it wasn't live, damn you, live. He got it was, solid punches. Yeah, to the he got hammer fisted it, on the chest. It, it, it was uh, Harry and Marv with the crowbar mm-hmm. level of uh, of uh, if two bumbling, medicine. If two bumbling thieves showed up, yeah, I would have. I would not have been surprised. Two bumbling castaways. Oh, man. It was One's so in a tree. It was so bad. That was not the way you bring someone back to life. Um, and there is no way Charlie would have been a normal functioning human. Even to the level that Charlie was beforehand. Correct. He would have been even worse. And people were like, oh, you're not talking that much. He was stressed out. Yeah, but he's not going to remember anything He's not going to be sitting up comfortably. He could. He probably won't even brain function properly. Mm-hmm. Charlie, no brain good. No, Charlie, no brain good. I know brain good right now, honestly. But yeah, that that would not have been accurate at all. It was a pretty, pretty outlandish scene to say okay. the least. Charlie would have been dead. Okay. There's no ICU to monitor Charlie on the island. No, not so much. No. Uh, so, got a question for you. Okay. Uh, the human centipede bills itself as 100% medically accurate. Uh, if that's the case, how medically accurate is Lost Season 1, Episode... What episode did 11. you say? 11? Yeah. Uh, all cowboys have daddy issues. So, I had to think about it for a little bit. Um, I, no, actually, I wrote down 75%. I think it's probably a little... It's probably like 60%. Okay. Only because the the... The fla- so if we break it down, the flashback stuff, it's really rare that a neurosurgeon would be doing trauma surgery. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest about that. And I get the creative licensing part. But you would expect them, they should know better. Don't shock someone who doesn't have a shockable rhythm. Um, the surprising part is the anesthesiologist was probably the best part of this whole episode. Actually did stuff correctly. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it was just a poop show. And hearing about doctors who are inebriated doing surgery does not surprise me. Um, I, I've heard of cases like this before in medical school. I haven't seen it as an attending or a resident or a fellow, but I remembered hearing about it in medical school. But at the same point in time, uh-huh. it is enough of a, no, this is a bad, bad thing that mm-hmm. you hear about it yeah. as opposed to it's just assumed to be, yeah, this sometimes happens. Yeah. So it is, it is still a, it's notable. It is a notable thing to hear. 
people doing their job in a in a cap in a mind frame yeah. or in a state that they are not supposed to be doing so their job. I, I don't have a list in front of me, but I want to say this puts it relatively on par with like Harold and Kumar. I'll take that. Also the island stuff was just straight doo doo. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should just make a list on our website of just what percentage we ranked everything just mm-hmm. so to compare it all. But yeah, loss is I think sixty is probably a fair thing. Maybe a little lower, but for now in my head, once we actually do have the meter of where we've ranked other stuff, that'll give me a better idea of where to rank stuff in the future, I think. Alright, that's something I can work on. Yeah. Alright. Um anything you would change? So much. Uh anything specific you would change? to make it more medically accurate while keeping the stakes high. Okay. So, island stuff, you could probably change it where you see him still struggling. It's just CPR. Well, not just that, but if you want to keep the stakes high, they'll, they could find Charlie hung up and like actually fighting and wrangling. And then when they take him down, he's not breathing anymore and they can do all that stuff. And that would be more plausible that you can bring him back to life while that would continually keep the stakes high, right? Because... Mm-hmm. That means he hasn't had a lack of oxygen for long, too long that it could cause permanent damage. I mean, it'll cause some damage, but not like significant damage where he can't come back. Um, so that would be one thing that would maintain the stakes. I think if you can see Christian doing the surgery and hacking away like an idiot, mm-hmm. that would make Jack's story more sympathetic on why he squealed than just like, oh, he was drunk. Yeah. But you don't know what else happened with all that stuff. And then that would bring, kind of make, Christian seem much more of a hateable person and Jack is being the yeah. noble person while making that difficult decision. Right. Also figure out how to do CPR properly. Which which is a constant thing. But if they did do CPR properly, wouldn't they end up breaking actors' ribs? Yeah, but they can do it on a like a mannequin. Yeah. You know, like doing it on a mannequin shouldn't be a hard thing to do. What, I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and say that I love playing devil's advocate. It's a it's a lot easier to hand wave away bad CPR mm-hmm. than it is to hand wave away that all of a sudden they're they they've replaced somebody with a mannequin. So you if you don't have a budget with a television budget, you have a network TV show that has gotten massive ratings. You can afford a good looking dummy. Yeah. Okay. Also, like in the medical field, we're constantly using like relatively realistic mannequins mm-hmm. to or to do simulations on that breathe and do all that stuff you can afford it okay you're you're a television network you got the money especially okay. if you made a show called lost and you filmed half on hawaii the whole time it was like, i think the most expensive pilot to date at that point in time at that point in time yes i don't know what the most expensive is now uh yeah westworld probably or probably something. um westworld uh yeah I think, it is, I think it is Westworld. All right. Um, well, I'll say we're going to do that research. We aren't. No. So somebody <laughs> look it up for us. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm not going to do uh, But we will be back next week with more Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast where we will talk about fun stuff like this. Yeah. Right. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you. Cute. Expensive pilot episode. Boardwalk Empire. Huh. Nope. Plus world.